0: hey everybody, it's great to have you with us, joining us today as we uh, have a very fascinating discussion coming up with Kara Powell. Uh, Kara is at Fuller Institute, uh, just a phenomenal leader. She's the executive director of the Fuller Youth Institute and a faculty member at Fuller Theological Seminary. And she was also named by Christianity Today as one of 50 Women You Should Know. Uh, She has written numerous books, including Growing Young, which we talk about extensively in the podcast, and The Sticky Faith Guide for Your Family. Uh, Great stuff from Kara, and she's a fascinating individual, a great leader, and is doing so much for families um, around the country. And we're really grateful to have her on this podcast. And I just want to say, for those of you listening to this podcast, I know many of you are volunteers or leaders of some capacity at one of Real Life Church Ministries campuses, whether it's in Simi Valley or Valencia, Canyon Country or online. And I just want to say thank you for listening. And I know uh, this might be a good time to put it over to, you know, 1.5 speed or 2.0 speed if you're on the treadmill or you're trying to save some time. And I'm not offended by that at all. I do the same thing. But I would ask that you just go ahead and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already and would you share it with somebody? Especially another leader, another volunteer that's helping out serving in an area of ministry, whether it's at one of our churches or somebody else's, it would be a tremendous help for them and for me to hear what it is they'd love for us to talk about. Uh, we really do believe that good leaders plus good culture equals great results, and we wanna help make those two things better. So go ahead and subscribe. Go ahead and share. Go to the, the, the website, PastorRustyGeorge.com, and you can sign up there and get all kinds of uh, free videos and blogs and information to help you lead uh, even in a better way. So today, my guest is Kara Powell, and so hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey, Kara, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for our listeners who may not be familiar with you or your work, would you give us just a little bit of Uh, bio and tell us how you got to where you are and what it is you're currently doing?
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. Let me start by saying I'm the parent of three teenagers. My kids are 18, almost 16 and 12. So uh, the work that we do when it comes to young people is something that I certainly see fleshed out every day in my own home. Uh, But in terms of my job, I'm a faculty member at Fuller Seminary. But really, my main work at Fuller is I direct the Fuller Youth Institute, which is a 10-year-old research center um, at Fuller Seminary, where we take the best research that Fuller and others are doing and turn it into practical resources for leaders and parents who want to help inspire young people's faith development.
0: Now, has that always been your desire to do something like that, or do you just kind of happen into that?
1: Yeah, good question. So I was a youth pastor at two different churches, youth pastor and college pastor. Most recently uh, at my the church where I'm currently a volunteer, Lake Avenue Church in Pasadena. Uh-huh. Um, while I was doing PhD work at Fuller, And uh, eventually I became a faculty member at Azusa Pacific University Mm -hmm. um, and and was still working 10 hours a week at my church. So really my whole uh, adult career journey is kind of a mixture of education and hands-on ministry, um, and particularly youth and young adult ministry. And so I've I've always loved seeing how the two come together, how real-life ministry um, asks great questions of research and theology and how we can then translate those answers into practical tools uh, for leaders and parents. So so really, my whole life, I've I've stood with one foot um, in the world of real-life young people and one foot in the world of academic research and study, and there's no place I'd rather stand, to be honest.
0: Well, and can I just say, hats off to Fuller for even recognizing this and empowering you to do this, because for so many years, the seminary has received uh, I, I don't know if it's uh, bad press for yeah. having great information but no practicality and yeah. for you guys to do this. is just yeah. wonderful.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it, the FYI, the Fuller Youth Institute that I direct is one of several centers that Fuller has where we're trying to build more bridges um, with churches, with practitioners, with uh, people of all different careers and callings, so that we can learn from them and hopefully they can learn from us.
0: Yeah, that's great. Okay, well, let me ask you about this, um, uh, this research that you've been doing. You have spent the yeah. past decade researching what helps young people develop a faith that sticks. Yep. And I think we're all hearing reports that uh, you know, our kids are growing up and, and leaving the church, or maybe they didn't even grow up in church at all, so they're not interested in it now. Maybe some people that are volunteers listening right now are thinking, I see this in the kids that I'm working with in student ministry or college sure. ministry. Um, As you've been sharing that research, what seems to resonate the most with leaders and parents?
1: Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right. The best research indicates that about half of young people, including from great churches like yours, Rusty, about half of young people drift from God and the church after they graduate from high school. And so that's why we studied 500 youth group graduates in their first three years of college. I used to say through their junior year of college, but we've realized first three years and junior year, not always the same thing. That is true. Um, so, so through the junior year, first three years of college. And, you know, boy, I'll tell you what we've learned about what we call sticky faith, long-term faith. I mean, it's changed my understanding of the gospel. It's changed my view of the church. Um, It's changed my understanding of family. But probably, you know, since you asked what resonates most with leaders and parents, you know, I'd have to say it's the power of intergenerational relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, We studied 13 different youth group participation variables. In other words, 13 different things that a typical youth group does with young people, with high school students in particular. And you'll be glad to know that service and justice was correlated with long-term faith, and studying the Bible was correlated with long-term faith. But of everything we studied, the one that was most correlated with long-term faith in both high school and college was intergenerational relationships and worship. Hmm. In other words, not just having a dynamic children's and youth ministry that's separate from the rest of the church, but figuring out how do we involve young people in the life of the church so that we are blessed by them and they are blessed by us.
0: Wow, that is that is fascinating. It shouldn't be surprising. That seems right. to be the model we see in Deuteronomy, isn't it?
1: Right. I mean, it's really what the church that we see in the Old Testament, the church that we certainly see in Acts. And, you know, it, over the last decades, especially in this last century, you know, in our effort to offer relevant programming and teaching to young people, we've been well-intentioned, but we've ended up segregating them. And that is not a verb I use lightly, but we've ended up segregating young people from the rest of the church. And according to our research, that's bad for young people. And we've also been realizing it's bad for churches too. They Mm -hmm. miss out on the passion, vitality, innovation that young people can add if they're integrated in all facets of the church.
0: Tell us about um, just how... uh, a church and not a particular church, how a church gets it wrong and how a church gets it right.
1: Yeah. So one of the ways that we urge churches to get it right, as you say, um, is actually the, the a great phrase that my friend and former colleague Chap Clark coined. Um, where he said we need to reverse the five to one ratio in children and student ministry. And what he means by that is typically churches, and I imagine your church um, has certain goals, Rusty, for you know Sunday school, a winter retreat coming up, small groups say we want one adult for every five young people. Um, well, what we're saying out of our research, what Chap is saying is let's reverse that. And it's not one adult for every five young people, but how do we have five adults Um, for each young person. And by that, we don't mean five Bible study leaders. We don't mean five small group leaders necessarily. We mean, as we say in, in the Powell family with our kids, five adults who are on your team five adults who are cheering for you, five adults who are influencing you, five adults so that when you struggle, note that I said when, not if, so that when you struggle, those adults are there for you and you can go to them. So, you know, so I would say that is when churches get it right, is when they're really building those relationships.
0: Okay, let me just drill down on that a little bit, because yeah. I'm I'm thinking about We have some close friends. Their kids are our kids' age. Yeah. They've been best friends forever. So we've got that naturally built in.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I remember in uh, Carrie Newhoff's book with Reggie Joyner, um, which was just the – the Ultimate Book on Parenting. Yeah.
1: Uh, parenting Beyond Your Capacity is exactly. great book. Uh,
0: exactly. Yeah. And I'm thinking of all the different titles that we've used for that as we've preached it. But uh, uh-huh. uh, just that idea of having other voices in your kid's life yeah. and the permission that you give to other adults to speak into your kid's life. What would you say to parents that are thinking, okay, who's on my kid's team and who should yeah. I be looking for? Or I'm on somebody's team. Yeah. What should I What should I be asking that student, that child?
1: Yeah. Well, the first question, you know, one of the things that was interesting in our research is when we asked college students, who would you go to in a time of need? It was often somebody who was close to the family um, and maybe even close to the parents. You know, the the woman that their stepmom was taking a walk with every Tuesday morning, that's who would they would go to in a time of need. The man who was mentoring their dad and having breakfast with the first Friday of the month, that's who they would want to share prayer requests with. So, you know, we used to like to say to family the good news is that odds are good you're not starting from scratch in these relationships look around and see, you know, who are the adults that your family's already close to and that your kids are already close to. You know, the other thing we say to uh, to families is you don't have to keep this a secret from your kids. Go ahead and talk to your kids mm-hmm. about who they want to get to know better. We've done this a number of times with our own kids, um, you know, especially when they were younger in elementary school. Who are some adults you'd like to get to know better? And then to be honest, when in the season when we needed babysitters, we often use those adults as babysitters. Right. Um, because you know our kids wanted to get to know them better, we wanted to further those relationships and so you know odds are good you're not starting at zero in these relationships odds are good there's already a coach a neighbor an uncle somebody at church that your kid already feels some sort of connection with so it's more about stoking those fires uh, that are already starting starting to burn a little bit
0: okay so as far as um... I am on somebody else's team, yeah. um, And this is just the way that I think. It's a little OCD and a little uh, too A to B. But I like to have three or four questions in the queue. You know, when the kids get in the car or whatever it is, how can I be that voice in somebody else's life without overstepping my bounds?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it depends on the age of the young person. You know, obviously, so especially with younger kids, elementary and, and middle school. Well, even in through high school, you know, I definitely would want to talk to the parent about it and find out what that parent thinks would be good to talk to the kid about. But then, you know, I think it's also totally um, appropriate to ask the young person, "Hey, what are some areas where you it'd be helpful for us to have conversations? Um, Hmm. You know, what are some, especially older high school students? You know, what are some areas where you would like to grow, um, where we could have." you know, kind of more focused conversations. Um, So, you know, again, we don't have to keep this a secret. We don't have to necessarily guess. Now, sometimes we have to go about it in a less direct way. You know, what are some areas of your life that are causing you stress right now? Um, You know, I got a text from um, a teenager just this morning who's feeling a lot of anxiety and she wanted me to pray for her. Um, this is a teenager who you know I feel like I'm part of the adults on her team. and so when I get together with this teenager it's often talking about what's causing her stress. Teenagers today are very stressed and and that is that is a, a lens through which they often process things. Um, and so that that can be a great open door what's causing what's causing you stress and um, and what is God inviting you to in the midst of of that stress so,
0: Let's talk about stress for just a little bit, because yeah. the, the studies are rather alarming that yeah. our kids are, are living with an anxiety level that... Um, I forgot even how to phrase it, but back in the 50s, if you had that anxiety level, you'd be institutionalized. Yeah. And nowadays, our kids are just growing up with it. One in five students that go off to college have some sort of mental illness or disability yeah. or challenge. Um, our, our knee jerk reaction as parents or even as as leaders in in ministry is just to all right, shut down all social media accounts, turn off your phone, um, you know we're going to just uh, hunker down and try to ride this out so w- what advice do you give to parents yeah. about how to manage stress levels and yeah. but still live in the world we live in?
1: Yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned technology because it's uh, that I know of um, there's no study that shows causation between technology and social media and increased stress levels, but there sure is a lot of correlation. In other words, um, with the advent of, Of cell phones and devices everywhere there is some good news that young people um, are experiencing lower risk behaviors of sex alcohol drugs partying you know to be honest many of the things they used to do with each other that were risk behaviors they're less likely to do now Um, that's that's something to celebrate the downside is the things that they do on their own Um, The risk behaviors they do on their own are actually more common now, and that's suicide, anxiety, and depression. Um, And, you know, it's interesting, we have a a son who's a senior, and so we've been doing a lot of college tours, just went to a a college campus yesterday, in fact. and every college tour, every college tour, they're talking about how, what they provide for students with mental health. Um, so clearly, you know, it, it's such a pressing issue. Hmm. And I think, you know, I, I think there's a message for the church in what we're seeing on college campuses in, in making it discussable. Um, a lot of churches, you know, even using the phrase mental illness, using the phrase depression, using the phrase anxiety, somehow that still is tainted and we need to move past that. You know, I, I think the brain is an organ like any other organ and it's an organ that we need to treat and talk about. Mm. Um, and so, you know, first I would say it needs to be discussable in our families and in our churches. Um, secondly, you know, like I said, there is no, to my knowledge, any study that shows causation, but there certainly is correlation. and so. So you know, as a parent myself, I'm looking at um, two of two of three, two of the three of our kids. I think technology does increase their stress. Um, one of them, it doesn't seem to have much of an effect on in terms of stress levels uh, because of that child's personality. But for the two where I do think it increases their stress, we we have conversations with them about it. Um, you know how how do how does technology help you feel connected to your friends how does technology help your stress levels and we'll talk about that when does technology make you feel more rejected more left out when does it increase your stress levels and we'll talk about that Um, you know, when you feel stressed, what are some, what are some healthy things that you can do? What are some unhealthy things that you're tempted to do? And what can you do instead? So, you know, I I said earlier, I said, making it discussable in church, you know, I, I, we need to have those same discussions at home too, as parents um, with our kids directly, not you know not taking all technology from them but helping our kids identify what are what are kind of their triggers what are the things that get to them in a unique way and then working with them to put up safeguards against those? Is it, you know, is it technology late at night that makes them feel especially stressful mm. or anxious? And if so, you know, at what point do they put do not disturb on on their phone? You know, right. that's a conversation that we've had with our kids. And to be honest, we it's we handle it a little bit differently with each kid. Um, technology is an area where, you know, some areas in our family, we treat every kid identically. Technology is an area where we adapt it a little bit because every kid is different. Every kid's level of responsibility is different. Every mm-hmm. kid's ability to cope is a little bit different. Um, and so we come up with more of a customized plan with each of our three kids.
0: Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. I never really thought about it that way, but that's a good point. Um, okay, so Growing Young, this yeah. amazing book you put together, describes oh, six you. core commitments that the church um, should really have in common, and uh, or the the good churches that you've uh, you've researched have in common. So tell me what these six core commitments are, and just kind of spend a little time on some of those, and one of the one or some of the ones you want to drill down on would be great.
1: Sure. So, you know, I I know Real Life Church is a a fantastic church, Rusty. Um, Sadly, the typical church in the U.S. is shrinking and or aging. And so we received a grant from the Lilly Endowment to study 250 churches that aren't shrinking or aging, but are doing great work with young people. And out of that, we identified um, six different core qualities that these churches have in common that sets them apart. Um, You know, I'll I'll just hit on a few because it would be hard to hit on all six well. So instead of trying to sprint through all six, um, maybe I'll just hit on a few. Um, One of the, in fact, the, the, the core commitment that we found was the most common first core commitment. So we looked at, you know, the order in which they tended to appear in churches. The one that um, tended to appear first more than any other had to do with leadership. Hmm. Um, And here's the good news about this core commitment. You know, I I think some people would think that in order to be effective with young people, you have to be a hip leader or you have to be a cool leader. Um, Of course, my own teenagers would say just the fact that I use the word hip and cool means that I'm not hip or cool. (laughs) But, um, you know, we think we have to be hip or cool. And we certainly had some of those leaders in our study. But in the midst of studying churches that were growing young, it wasn't about them being hip or cool. It was instead that they were empowering young people. And in fact, they were what we tended to call keychain leaders. By keys, we mean not necessarily literal keys, but keys of power, authority, access. And the most effective churches, the most effective leaders in our study were quick, to hand the keys of uh, metaphorical keys of power, access, and authority over to young people as young people were ready for them, give them the training that they need, and then let them truly lead the ch- lead the church in meaningful ways. Um, so, you know, this was beyond mere rhetoric about young people having meaningful roles. Um, young people truly had load bearing responsibility in these churches, and um, everybody benefited from that. So, that would be the first point that I would want to make: is that mm. these churches we're quick to hand keys over to young people and really empower young people. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Tell us a little bit about, I know in your research you came across, obviously Jesus is at the core of all churches, uh, which we'd all agree to, but what does that look like in student ministry with kids and how are they living out Jesus' message in particular ways at these standout churches?
1: Great question. So that was actually uh, the third core commitment is that these churches, were uh, ruthless about teaching Jesus's message at, you know, in the midst of our research, we did over 1300 interviews. Um, and the interview that stands out the most to me, and this is so relevant to student ministry, the interview that stands out the most to me, we asked a young woman, how would you define Christianity? And, you know, probably 10 different fuller faculty had vetted these questions, including me. And again, the question was, how would you define Christianity? And this young woman in her twenties at a great church said, well, um, You know what, I have a hard time defining Christianity. But instead of defining Christianity, can I tell you who Jesus is and what Jesus means in my life? Um, And you know that was kind of her drop the mic moment um, because you know she showed us that here we were asking her to define Christianity, and instead she wanted to focus on Jesus. Mm. And that was an iconic um, interaction for us of what these churches did well—they pointed young people not to Christian culture um, because Christian culture can be confusing and, if we're honest, off-putting. Some times but Jesus is always magnetic and compelling. Um, and these mm. churches gave young people opportunity to wrestle with tough questions. Mm-hmm. These churches recognized that God was big enough to handle their tough questions and doubts, and so um, they they didn't just uh, they didn't just tolerate tough questions, they welcome tough questions. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, devoted whole evenings um, to tough questions because they wanted young people to know that church could handle their tough questions and God could handle their church- tough questions.
0: Well, along with the the tough subject matter comes the issue of injustice, and that seems to be on everybody's radar, as it should be, but particularly with our youth. They want to know that we're doing something about that. Um, What are you seeing in the churches that are growing young uh, as far as how they're responding to the issues of injustice in the world?
1: Yeah, and that was the sixth and final core commitment, is that these churches were neighboring well. Um, what was interesting, Rusty, is sometimes they were serving aggressively locally, other times nationally, other times globally. Uh, where and how they served, the causes they pursued were, were all different. You know, people have asked us, well, you know, what's, what's the top cause young people gravitate toward? Um, and at every church, it was different. Mm-hmm. But that church had figured out the right intersection between the needs and passions of their people and, uh, and and the needs of the the neighbors that they felt called to serve. And one of the things that was kind of interesting to us as researchers is, a, as we studied these churches, we thought, gosh, they're they're actually doing a pretty good job in serving um, those around them, and um, you know, serving in justice and service in practical ways. Uh, but then, when we asked young people, what do you wish your church was doing more of? They wanted more service and more justice work. So, even in the wow. midst of us feeling like, wow, these churches are doing pretty good work, young people wanted even more. So.
0: <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Okay, so some of your surprising research was in what churches don't need in yeah. order to engage young people. Uh, is skinny jeans on the list? Because yeah, I would love to not have to wear news. those. the good news,
1: especially those of us who are getting on the older side and again the less hip side. Uh, we don't have to go rush out and buy skinny jeans or buy you know a fashionable and not very warm scarf or any of that. Right. Um, you don't have to be hip as a leader. Um, you know, it's much more about being yourself. And, and one of our phrases was that. For young people today, warm is the new cool. It's it's more about being a warm person and having a warm community than it is having a cool community, and really our research was able to dismantle a whole bunch of myths. Um, and you can, you and anybody can find out more about it at churchesgrowingyoung.com. But you know your church doesn't have to be a particular size. You don't have to have a particular building. You don't have to have, be a particular denomination or lack thereof. You don't have to be a particular age. I mean, we just had so many diverse churches, diverse size, ages, ethnicities. Uh, you know, every type of church was part of our study, which just goes to affirm God can work and is working through all different types of communities so
0: okay well let's let's wrap up with this uh, if I'm a leader that volunteers you know with a, a group of high school students and I'm trying to engage in their life not yeah. just on Sunday but also during the week yeah what are some just practical steps you would tell me to do?
1: Yeah gosh I would say Talk to talk to the young people themselves. Um, you get. I would say start with your own young people. If you're a small group leader, I mean that's the context you gave me. Rusty mm-hmm. is that I'm a small group leader with high school students. I would say to your students, man, I just want to understand more about what you're experiencing. What would you recommend I do? Um, you know what what radio stations should I listen to? Who should I be playing on Spotify? What should I be watching on Netflix? And then use that as an excuse to loop back with them and say, hey, you wanted me to watch... Um, you know, whatever show it might be, The Office on Netflix. Um, the Office is huge with teenagers and young adults these days. You want me to watch The Office. And after you've watched five episodes of The Office, hey, let's get together for coffee. I'd love to hear what you love so much about it. So, you know, it, ask them for what they would in particular recommend and then use that as a great reason to loop back to them and find out why they love it so much and, and what they think it says about them and other young people. So.
0: let me ask you about that because I find that fascinating as well my kids love the office and, yeah. and you know my wife and I we watched the office when yeah. it was on originally yeah but I'm looking at my kids thinking first of all this is so out of your age demographic yeah. you've never worked in an office or a cubicle yeah. or had a boss yeah. like Michael Scott why is it resonating so much with them
1: yeah yeah well I, I mean on a deep level I mean here we're now we're we'll go deep here in 30 seconds Um. I think, and we get into this in our Growing Young book, I think the three deepest questions that all of us are asking are questions of identity, belonging, and purpose. That's that is what we're asking more than anything else. Identity, belonging, and purpose. And being here in L.A., it's been fascinating to talk to people in the entertainment industry. They say the best scripts, the best stories, the most successful movies are those that touch on identity, belonging, and purpose. And for a comedy, The Office does that really well. I mean, The Office creates this kind of, uh, I mean, I tear up I tear up, not every episode by any means, but I mean, probably every 10 episodes, I tear up at something in the office. It's the way Pam and Jim are interacting. It's the way that Michael just feels so lonely or whatever it might be. It's mm-hmm. Dwight's longing for, in a, for a relationship with Angela. I mean, you name it. There's something in there that touches on our deepest cries for identity, belonging, purpose and is really funny. So I think so many comedies are just kinda mindless and don't have that deeper level. But the office does both, both the both the humor and the deeper heart cries of humankind. So
0: yeah. It's funny because my kids have grown up on comedies that do not have the laugh track or the yes. studio audience. Yes. And now when my wife and I are oh you gotta watch this show and they watch it and it's got that, like a Seinfeld yeah. or whatever, they just yeah. it seems so shallow to them. They just don't yeah. get it. So
1: Yeah, totally. Oh totally.
0: my. Well that's a whole other book there, so yeah. you should write that next. <laughs> Okay, so I just want to remind everybody, the book is Growing Young, Six Essential Strategies to Help Young People Discover and and Love Your Church. And, And this is not just for church leaders, this is for anybody that's trying to help students and, and kids, uh, youth of all ages, uh, reconnect with the church or connect for the very first time. Uh, tell us where we can find you online and get more resources.
1: Sure, absolutely. So I'm on Facebook um, at Author, That's a great place to connect with me on Facebook. I'm on Instagram um, at FYI and also Twitter at the same handle, FYI. And then to find out more about um, our Growing Young research, go to churchesgrowingyoung.com and you can dive into a whole bunch of resources um, uh, just for you.
0: That's great. Okay, the, the final question I have for you, and I... I ask this of everybody, and I stole this shamelessly from William Vanderblumen. But it's the three questions of: What is a book you're reading right now you really enjoy? Uh, what is an app that you're really enjoying? And do you have a stage faux pas you could share with us?
1: A stage faux pas. Okay, well I'll start with the app. Um, definitely Waves because I value efficiency, <laughs> and so yeah. um a book i'm reading gosh i'm reading a lot about innovation these days so okay um yeah i would say i just read oh dealers of lightning what was it called um that was about innovation and or no grabbing lightning i'm just looking it up um uh, that was a great book on innovation yeah grabbing lightning was a great book on innovation I read that last week and then a stage faux pas like uh, meaning something that I
0: yeah did you ever make a mistake make oh a mistake when you were
1: so many times um, as a
0: youth leader or whatever yeah
1: yeah you know I would say this this was only in front of a group of about um, 50 people but one time I went and did a whole like 20 minute talk. And my shirt was misaligned on the buttons. And so like, you know, one half was Longer than the other half, I had misbuttoned it by one, um, and nobody told me. Like I had friends in the audience, and I'm just thinking, you should have stopped me and had me fix my shirt, and then I would have continued the talk. So, yes, that it was only like 50 people, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But yes, that would be my biggest, uh, the first thing that comes to mind, at least. So, and
0: the beauty is, you still remember, and they probably do as well. Exactly, so, yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: I remember the shirt I was wearing, the color and everything. So,
0: well, Kara, this has been really helpful for all of our listeners and me especially so thank you not just for your time here today but thank you for all you're doing to help churches grow young and we will uh, continue to stay in touch with you and learn from what you're doing so thank you you.
1: I'm grateful for your leadership also take care
0: thank you well hey thanks so much for listening to the podcast today I know uh, if you're like me you got a lot out of that conversation with Kara she's just a phenomenal leader does so much for the church over at fuller love for you to check out her information and all the resources she has at her website and i want to ask you if you would just go to itunes and leave a review uh, for our podcast it really helps uh, boost um, not just the ratings but also get the word out there uh, because we really do want to help leaders uh, because we do believe that good leaders plus good culture equal great results so subscribe share this podcast and we'll be back next month with another conversation